It's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's The Big Show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Happy Monday, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of it. Let's go. What are you doing over there? What? Gordon is is playing with his chair, from the best I can tell. What's happening? What are you doing? You getting comfortable? What's going on over here? Look at that. You know we've been sitting down and, and chatting for like the last five. Yeah, minutes. I know. Uh, I like, lost uh, I lost the connection on my uh, my earphones. Oh, well. you have right. you have headphone issues again. I do. Seems like when are your other fancy ones getting back? Seems like they've been gone for a while. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm waiting to, to see how that goes. Is it still? Did you have to mail them somewhere? Yeah. Or uh-huh. and now you're just waiting for them to fix it and and mail it back. I'm waiting for them to send me new ones. What I'm waiting for. This is what you get when you spend four grand on headphones or whatever it was. <laughs> it wasn't that, anywhere near that, but it was. You did buy them at the airport, it was, which it would was, mean... It was enough that uh, they shouldn't have broken. So, anyway. So, I'm doing well. How You're are you? You're doing all right. Good, good. Hey, I'm, you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's Monday. We have a lot to do. We have a lot to talk about, which, yes. of course, is good. You were live there in Santa Clara. You made it back in one piece. That's terrific. I did. I did. Uh, I'm not sure the Utes made it back in one piece, but uh, they uh, they uh, had a rough go. And uh, I'm sure the guys have been talking about it all day today. And uh, all the people who watched that game, it was pretty much exactly what you saw. I mean, there was, no, there was nothing uh, hidden or buried uh, three levels deep. Uh, and we'll talk all about it today. Yeah, we will. Of course, that was the big happening over the weekend. We'll talk some Utah Jazz basketball as well. Oklahoma City in town uh, to take on the Jazz tonight. Uh, we have a busy lineup of guests. Uh, Christian, or uh, excuse me, um, uh, Christian Cox is going to be on the show. Is that at four thirty, Austin? Well, still up on the air on the time with Christian. Uh, and we're going to talk to Chris Maddox for our NBA Daily Assist at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. So we'll right. we'll mix in some NBA, but we'll be quite college football heavy. Of course, you wrote a column about it uh, over the weekend. And now we know where everybody's going bowling, including the Utes. I mean, we knew where the Cougars were going, but now yes, we, we know. Did. We kind of knew their opponent, too, but now we know for sure. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, Gordon, you want to get into the mighty Weber State Wildcats and their what quarterfinal showdown with the Montana Grizzlies coming up this Friday night at eight on ESPN two? Yes, yeah, nice, uh, and uh, that will be a chance for Weber State to uh, get a little sports revenge. Yeah, of course, losing to Montana uh, earlier this season. All right, well, uh, what do we should we get right into the Utes, Gordo? Yeah, let's do it. All right, it's time for your split story of the day. Two guys, two topics. <laughs> 
Two, two, two. two opinions. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Flag on the field about seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Holding. Defense number one. That penalty is declined. Result of the play. Touchdown. Justin Herbert strikes. And it's 16-0 with a PAC to come. Plays where the line of scrimmage battle is in sharp focus. Burdell right up the middle. physical team, like I said, even in the loss earlier in the season, uh, we won the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that, that loss was not due to line of scrimmage play, so I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that uh, they beat us uh, with our strength and, you know, where our strength light. And, and, uh, but they're, they've been physical all year long, too. I mean, they're, they're, they're a good football team. They've won uh, 10 games for a reason, 11 now. And so, it's two good teams going at it. The Utes lose, Gordon, in the Pac-12 title game, 37-15 to the Oregon Ducks. And uh, I'm kicking myself a little bit, Gordon, today because I, I've been on the Ducks bandwagon all year long uh, telling have. people that uh, Oregon is really good. Not that I uh, doubted you, you, that. You calmed it down a little bit down the stretch. Well, losing to Arizona State, I mean, yeah. that, that was something else. And that that really muddied the waters for me. Uh, and then, you know, I, I bought into the eye test with Utah, like a lot of folks. And now, uh, Gordon, people uh, I have been throwing around the word fraud a little bit online. That's a bunch and of crap. Let's, yeah, let's, let's take a step back. Yeah, I mean, look, I've never been a homer and I never will be. Uh, but uh, here's the problem. When you have a situation like this where Utah plays really, really well down the stretch and then they have an off night or – and I don't want to take credit away from Oregon. Oregon played terrific. But how would we have judged Oregon based on how they played against Arizona State? You know, I mean, it happens sometimes. The Utes are not a fraud. No, they're not. That, that They had a bad night. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say it. Now, we can break it down and, and talk about why they had a bad night and how that happened. But to say the Utes are a fraud because they got beat by Oregon this way— it is not true. I mean, a lot. I mean, you can judge a lot of teams by their worst moment, but and this was the Utes' worst moment. They are uh, they are better than they showed. Now, a couple things, Gordon. We we talked, and this was I teased Frank because this seemed like low hanging fruit when he brought up his matchup of the game during the pregame show. But a lot of people were talking about this throughout the week: the Utah defensive line against the Oregon offensive line. Now, I talked to you about it all week long. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. People were underestimating Oregon's offensive line big time. And we talked to you about how they had four seniors and their young pup on the offensive line was Penny Sewell, the best offensive lineman in the country. <laughs> and the truth is, they crushed Utah at the line of scrimmage. They give up a 200-yard rusher. C.J. Verdell yeah. has 208 yards. I did not see that coming that Utah was going to get run over by Oregon because Utah's D line, is really, D line is really good too. And they got mauled. 
Yeah, they gave up 180 more yards than they usually do on the ground. They got mauled. And then the second one, and and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to throw out the the term fraud because I, I think that's too strong. But you know, Utah with that offensive line put it together with some smoke and mirrors this year, and we found that out. They played against USC in USC's defensive line, and they got just creamed, and Utah lost. And then uh, the other night in the Pac-12 championship game, they had a, they did not have a good night. And and the the stat I point to is that Tyler Huntley had 14 carries. And when we used to talk about Tyler Huntley's carries, we were talking about hero ball, right, where he was keeping it in the zone read and, and trying to make dreams come true. Those 14 carries, that was Tyler Huntley running for his life, just, <laughs> like, just like the USC game. That was not Tyler Huntley reverting to old Tyler Huntley. That was Tyler Huntley running for his very existence. And the O-line just picked a bad time to have their worst game in a while. Well, we kept looking at, from the press box. I was looking to see if the receivers were open. But he was getting so much pressure put on him that it, it was hard for him to hang in there for those, uh, for those throws. And some of the time, nobody was open. So that, that's a bit of a problem. What's a quarterback supposed to do at that point? He's supposed to try and pick up some yardage if he can. Six sacks? And then we saw him th- throw the two interceptions. That's going to happen when you're getting pressure. Yep, 100%. The, the way he was getting it. And so Oregon played terrific. That's the best I've seen them play all year. I mean, they were really, really good. And they were motivated. They were amped up. And they were well coached in that game. Utah, uh, Kyle was right when he said uh, lost the line of scrimmage. Both how, sides. How many f- fourth and shorts do you have to see where the Utes are unable to pick up a yard or two, um, and I question the one. I question the one after they went up. Uh, they, they cut the lead to what was it, twenty three fifteen, and then they went for it at midfield. I wondered about that call because they. I, I don't have a problem with the aggression. I mean, sure, uh, go ahead and go for it if you want. But I, I thought that may have been a mistake. But anyway, point is the Utes couldn't pick up a first first down on a fourth and one we saw that time and again and then on the other going the other way uh the ducks could the ducks uh, were able to have these bursts that uh that paid off in a big way you mentioned the 208 yards by cj and that was those were killers a lot of people complaining about the punt in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, I think those are just semantics. U- Utah got beat by a better team, and they didn't play particularly well, and Oregon played great. But Oregon's got a bunch of talent, and they are well coached. I think Mario Cristobal is doing a great job. And on top of that, he's not trying to copy Chip Kelly. He's doing his own thing up there. I his own thing. And it was interesting the motivational tactic he used in the week uh, running up to the game because – the Ducks were very well aware that everyone was talking about the Utes. And everyone was talking about how tough they are and how physical they are. And that really bothered the Ducks, man. They, they were highly motivated in that game. And they picked a good time to uh, play their best ball because now they're going to the Rose Bowl and uh, the Utes. Uh, I called it the worst loss in the history of the program. It's not the worst loss in the, that they got crushed. It's the worst loss considering what their opportunity was. Oh, they had a lot on the line. Everything. Yeah, and and they got beat soundly. Yep. So that's 
I mean, it's not what I thought we'd be talking about today. Uh, I really didn't. I mean, but uh, at the same time, Utah did make a living off of, of beating some teams that they were better than, and they should have, by the way. And then we just we there there were a couple of their flaws that were exposed, and and the defensive line for Utah is the one that really confuses me. We asked pretty much all of our uh, you know pundits and experts that we had on the on the air last week, Gordon, uh, about. Oregon being number 10 against the run, Utah being number one against the run, who was the more likely team to figure it out and be able to run the ball? And during the pregame show, I I honestly thought it was going to be sixes where it was basically going to eliminate the run on either side and which quarterback could go out there and make plays. And I was wrong. I, I was wrong. Utah's run defense folded, and Oregon ran over the Utes, which almost never happens to Utah, which is a, is a, a complete compliment to the Oregon Ducks. But that one baffles me. Because those guys on on Utah's front four are are absolutely legit. They yeah. are legit NFL talent, legit players who are are awesome. They're all going to the Senior Bowl. There's a reason they're all going to the Senior Bowl, and they got run over by the best O line in the country, which is is nothing to be ashamed of unless you're supposed to be the best D line in the country. Certainly against the run, that did, that surprised me. Did you have a problem with the structure of the defense on those third downs that the Ducks uh, were facing, and it, they loaded it up up front, and as soon as that opening happened, boom, seventy yards later, touchdown. All, all you got to do is once you pop through that that uh, gap, you're gone. You know what I you know what I sometimes hate about second guessing calls like this is you you want your defensive coordinator to be aggressive. We love aggressive defensive coordinators. We love Buddy Ryan, don't we? We're we're all all football fans love Buddy Ryan. We're calling for our defensive coordinators to be aggressive. And there's a reason that most defensive coordinators aren't all out aggressive all the time because you leave yourself vulnerable to just that. But Morgan made an aggressive call. He thought it better to to do that and it didn't work. So I, I find sometimes it's hard to second-guess those types of things because, you know, one week Kalani plays the pad coverage that beats USC mm-hmm. and we're all raving about it. The next week he plays the very same coverage against Washington and they get drilled. Yeah. You know? So it's – you asked me if I – I mean, was it the right thing to – the right call? 100% no. But, I mean, there's a defensive coordinator that was trying to be aggressive to get something going his way, and it's tough time. I have a tough time faulting that. And I heard a lot of second-guessing of Andy Ludwig as far as his, uh, you know, giving the ball to Zach Moss in more kind of predictable situations. People say, mix it up, you know. Well, that stuff's been working all year long, you know. The thing with Andy is he's— and you hear a lot of people who are really familiar with him that he's always setting something up, that his play call in the first quarter is setting something up for the fourth quarter. Like Kyle Gunther, who played for him, you hear him talk about that all the time. It, I felt like we never got the the payoff to the setup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why well, It felt like it, it lacked creativity, and, and you keep telling yourself, like, okay, he's just setting this up, setting this up, setting this up. Well, when and maybe the behind oppor- 20 to nothing, it's kind of hard to set anything up at yeah, that point. Yeah, maybe the, the opportunity wasn't there, which is, is probably the case. But I, I can see why fans would think that the play calling was a little vanilla. But I'll go back to what you said right off the top, Jake, and that is that Oregon picked a great night to play great. And they did. They played to their potential. And maybe they're better than Utah. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, that no, Utah's better than Oregon. I, I'm just saying that Oregon played at 95% and the Utes played at 80%, and they paid the price for it. Yeah, and for whatever reason, that's the way it happened. 
and the Utes just got run over, man. They got they got they got punched in the mouth. Now I'm going to get a lot of uh, probably beauty contest type tweets for this next opinion, but yeah, I think Oregon is better than Utah. I thought that for most of the season until that Arizona State loss, where yeah, they didn't look like a very good team against Arizona State, but Oregon is is riddled with talent. That is a crazy talented team. You know, we saw C.J. Ferdell, but they really have three backs that could dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a really strong rushing team. They've got the best quarterback in the conference, which has a lot of value. I mean, you can de- argue that, that point, I suppose. Really good too. And I the mean, defense is amazing. And, yeah. and it wasn't as good statistically as Utah's, but that doesn't mean that we should discount the fact that Oregon had an amazing defense. You know, we were kind of scoffing at their run defense when they're 10th, 10th in the country. I mean, that's that's awesome, and they were they were terrific. And that uh, linebacker Breeze, that dude was everywhere. And he's lucky he didn't get ejected yeah. from the game. Yeah, but will. that guy, that guy played out of his freaking mind. Oregon, Oregon was really good because they are really good. And I I don't know how to explain the Arizona State thing. I really don't. And they were whooping Auburn too, and let Auburn back in the game. And so you know. Maybe I guess they had their off nights, but I, I don't see why it would be controversial to say that Oregon's a better team than Utah. They just put a hurting on Utah. Yeah, they did. They did. And the Utes didn't play their best. I mean, uh, that's a fair statement. And I think Oregon did. And this brings up the whole argument about non-conference scheduling and whatnot. If uh, Oregon hadn't played Auburn, they'd be in a playoff right now, and the Utes would be going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you should jump on board with me who's been telling you that for years, that why on <laughs> earth would you ever schedule a hard game in the non-conference? Does it matter? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess not. I, I still think that they like to use those kinds of comparisons in the committee and they use them, they bend them any which way they want, whatever's most convenient for them. But, I mean, we look at it this year. I mean, the undefeated teams are going to the playoff. No undefeated team is getting, uh, you know, surplanted by a one-loss team because the one-loss team beat a SEC team in the non-conference. And some people are saying, had the Utes looked just a little better, they would have made the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe. I mean, number ten Penn State goes, and number eleven Utah goes to the Alamo. But again, this is one of those things where they'd probably want to put Penn State in in front of Utah because they're Penn State. I tell you the truth, I was impressed that the Alamo wanted Utah instead of USC. I don't think that they did. That's sort of what some people are wondering. Well, okay, so so Kyle Bonagura, uh, he for ESPN, right, uh, Austin? Looking uh, hi, Austin. You're looking happy today. Hello. Hey, it's good to see you. <laughs> well, that's by mistake. Then. Uh, he he reported basically that it was no done deal that Utah was going to the Alamo that they would absolutely consider USC, and then John Wilner added, and this was commentary, not reporting, but mm-hmm. added that, well, Larry Scott should twist some arms to get Utah in the Alamo Bowl because the Holiday Bowl didn't want Utah again, and so then how far are they going to get kicked down the line? Because the Holiday Bowl had them last year. So I would not be surprised if the Alamo Bowl would rather have had USC because they are, after all, the Trojans. And they would have had SC Texas. Right. But right, I bet but you actually, Larry Scott probably twist a couple arms and said, we can't have our runner-up plummeting to the Vegas Bowl. The, that the, can't that can't happen. If they'd gone to the holiday, they would have had a better matchup, a better opponent than they do at the Alamo. But I don't think the Holiday Bowl would want Utah two years in a yeah, row. Yeah, that's true. That seems to be a no-no. And if they could have passed, they probably would have. And that, again, kicks Utah further down the line. And that doesn't look good for the league. What if you guys were the Alamo Bowl? Who would you want? 
Well, probably the Trojan. I want a USC Texas matchup, one hundred percent rematch of the old championship. Yeah, game, right. Yeah. You're going to get eyeballs on that uh, on that product for that reason alone. But again, it goes back to what should bowl games be? Should they be rewards for performance this year, or should they be money makers for whoever owns the well, bowl? Well, actually, if you believe their tax status, they're most of them are charities. <laughs> okay. All right. Remember that whole Fiesta Bowl fiasco yes, where people actually ended up going to jail? Oh, believe me. <laughs> I, uh, I was uh, in communique with uh, certain fellows down there. Yeah, that was that was not pretty. So. Did you blow the whistle? No. But, was that you, Gordon? No, but <laughs> I had written some things about some of the administrators down there, and I did hear from them, yes. The reason Utah is not in a New Year's Six Bowl, Gordon, is because Oregon wasn't good enough to go to the playoff. If Oregon were good enough to go to the playoff— then the Pac-12 has a tie-in with the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl would have selected Utah, a la exactly what happened with the Orange Bowl in Virginia. I know people are outraged about yeah, UVA, and yeah. I totally get it. Uh-huh. Four-loss team heading to New Year's Day. But the ACC has a deal with uh, the Orange Bowl, and the Orange Bowl takes the ACC runner-up when the ACC champion goes to the playoff. And, yeah, that, that league was not terrific. <laughs> and I don't think UVA is necessarily all that terrific, but that's the bowl tie-in. That's, that's how it works. So if Oregon would have gone to the playoff, Utah would be in the Rose Bowl, and people would be complaining about Utah. So, oh, so look how they lost to Oregon, and so they're in the Oregon Rose Bowl. if Oregon hadn't played Auburn, Utah, Utah would, would be, be in the Rose Bowl. Right. If Oregon would have done what they're supposed to do and <laughs> and played uh, San Jose, then, yes, Utah would be in the Rose Bowl. Yes. Correct. Oh, Although, I guess San Jose, think about. San Jose this year did beat Arkansas, right? So maybe that's, oh, a bad, Arkansas. maybe that's a bad example. All right. Joining us now in studio, he's our good friend, Mike, from Any Hour Services. First of all, Mike, it's good to see you. How are things? What's new? It's good to be here. Uh, just got back from vacation. So. Hey, hey. So, yeah. It's Where'd good you go? to be back. Went to Mexico. How about that? Yeah, and it was warm and humid, and it was nice. Played a lot of beach volleyball. Oh, did you? How'd that I go? Did. Well, how's your spike game? Uh, not what it used to be. No, okay. Got a few extra lbs on there. Gravity's uh, with the assist. Keeping You're more me of down. a passer these days. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Actually, I'm not very good at all. <laughs> but but I like to get out there and uh, and and play around and and pretend like I know what I'm doing. It's more fun when you get a bunch of people that like are competitive. I find myself not being very good. But when I'm out there with people that also aren't very good, I find myself getting annoyed with people like myself. Right. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's a really weird thing. My wife was like, hey, so, you going to go so, out there and play and be like, they don't look that good. She's like, have you seen you play? I was so, like, wow. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> that's, cool. that's not very nice. To tell you the truth. No. So you get angry at those who are at your level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the same way people that are better than me probably get mad at me, but uh-huh. I just assume they give me a pass. I'm not going to give the other people a pass. No. Why would you? Because why would they, why should I let them bring down my volleyball experience? You do you, Mike. I or like your it. self-esteem. Right. Well, that's pretty up there. <laughs> All right. What are we getting into today? Well, we're going to spend most of our time talking about how to maintain our furnaces, uh, you know, stuff that we need to be doing to the equipment, how to keep our homes comfortable, and hopefully how to save some money. All right. Well, let's talk about just that. What should we be doing with our furnaces? Uh, well, the number one thing that we always talk about is the importance of airflow. And the number one thing that we see uh, when we go into homes where systems aren't working that is preventable are dirty air filters. And so you need to be going down and checking that air filter. And the reason I keep bringing it up isn't because you don't know. It's really more kind of a reminder to do that. I, I know before 
before I knew what I know now, our first furnace that we had, it would run and then periodically it would stop and start blowing cold air. And my wife would like say, hey, go fix it. And I would just go shut it off for a while, come back and flip it back on and be like, hey, I fixed it. Got it and done. it would start working. But <laughs> knowing what I know now, what what it is, is there's, there's a switch inside, uh, a safety switch so that when the system overheats, it will shut the gas valve off and so it kicks off the flame so that that thing's not overheating. And then when that cool, when that safety switch cools back down, it'll actually open back up and, and the heat will come back on. And so when you have a dirty air filter or anything really restricting the airflow, your system can't move enough air to cool the system down to make that safety switch stay uh, closed to complete that circuit. And so if your furnace ever stops working intermittently and sometimes it's blowing cold air, check your filter first. All right. And of course, uh, this is a great reason amongst many to kind of get this thing looked at every year. I agree. Uh, You know, in the owner's manual, it actually says, in addition to the maintenance that you perform, you should have your system inspected regularly by a properly trained technician. And in the industry, regularly means really just once a year, have somebody come out and take a look at it. Somebody that's got all the tools and stuff. And we developed a 29-point furnace tune-up where we actually go through all of the things that manufacturers recommend. We check all the vital components, make sure they're running safe efficiently. We document everything we find. We leave you with a full written report so that you know the condition of your system. Uh, normally, we charge $99 to do that. It's well worth it for that. But Zone listeners aren't going to have to pay 99 bucks. If you call tonight, you're going to lock in a $70 savings and only have to pay $29 to get this done. Schedule for whenever's most convenient. Schedule for after Christmas, after New Year's, and we'll remind you of when the appointment is. But the key thing is call tonight before 7 o'clock and schedule the appointment just to lock in the savings. All right. say this, Mike, by the way, I did exactly that and had one of your texts come out, paid the $29 okay. and got great service. We awesome. were very happy with the way that, that occurred. Thank you. I'm glad that went well. All right. Call any hour services right now. Get on the books. Uh, get on the schedule. Save 70 bucks on a 29-point furnace tune-up. $99 value for only $29, but you've got to call before 7 tonight. 801-443-7400. That's 801-443-7400. He is the the Randy Stoklos of the HVAC world, Mike, from Any Hour <laughs> Services. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. PK, we have our own line of apparel now. It's I'm, about time. I'm going to be partnering with these guys. We're going to have a whole lot of stuff. We're going to start with the T-shirts, and this is just the start. I'm thinking about early 2021, we'll have some sporting goods available. You want to golf, you'll be able to get some DJ and PK <laughs> golf clubs. Around 2024, I anticipate us breaking into the automotive industry. <laughs> so we're in negotiations now. Pretty soon, you know, That's BYU and Utah, they'll be playing with <laughs> DJ and PK footballs. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, get a rhythm. When you get the blues, come on, get a rhythm. When you get the blues, get a rock and roll feeling in your bones. Put taps on your toes and get gone, get a rhythm. When you get the blues, a little shoe shine. Here comes the snap. Four-man pressure. Love throwing far to the outside. Has, man in, has a man. It's up and an intercepted. Oh, my gosh. What an interception by LSU. Love waiting for the snap. Wake Forest shows some pressure. Four-man rush. Love steps up, throws. Go to the far side of the field. It's caught. 
caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Utah State. Three-man rush once again. Love's got to step up. And it's intercepted at the 20-yard line. Overthrows his intended receiver, and that's going to end the game. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today, Johnny Cash selected by... The Portuguese Mamba, Lloyd Cole, and it's brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets to get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Lloyd just uh, in the studio and contributing? Is that what's going on there? Yeah, just uh, random. You know, I like to give random people a chance. I like it. Good job, Lloyd. Johnny Cash, I'll take that anytime. Uh, Gordon, some news uh, coming out of Yahoo Sports. Dan Wetzel, who is really, really good. Uh, has this report out there. He says, uh, if he doesn't enter the NFL draft, Utah State quarterback Jordan Love is contemplating a grad transfer per source. Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Houston, all possible destinations. No decision made. NFL draft grade will weigh heavily. Gordon, well, reaction? Uh, well, I don't know what he's doing with Houston, but obviously the Texas Tech connection with Yost and Wells, and, uh, and who wouldn't want to go play for Oklahoma if he had an opportunity to lead that team? Oh, yeah, with what uh, Lincoln Riley has done with quarterbacks recently? It just just hasn't been a good year. We thought that they would take a step back offensively this year. You know, they had had some holes they needed to fill, but uh, I don't blame him if he decides to do that. But uh, if I were him and I was a top maybe first three rounds, I'm going. I'm going. I couldn't agree more. I don't know. uh, When we were talking about this during the break, I said top two. But, I mean, top three. We're, we're having the same argument, right? I mean, you go get that cash, and it's a high enough. You just want to make sure you're a high enough draft pick that they can't cut you tomorrow. Right. Pay if, attention to what I'm doing and right. be patient with me. You want an NFL franchise to invest in you enough that they give you the opportunity to develop. And if you're a, um, you know, an unsigned free agent, I know we saw Gardner Minshew do some things with uh, Jacksonville, but you know, when you're an unsigned free agent, it's you could be – you could be on the street tomorrow right. without an opportunity. So, yeah. um, if I'm, you know, first two, first three, you know, I'll listen to that argument. Certainly, uh, you know, get out there in the NFL draft. With that said, let me ask you this: Let's say you Jordan Love gets a third round uh, evaluation from the NFL, and Oklahoma says you can come start here tomorrow. What do you do? I probably go to Oklahoma, I, but it would be a tough choice. But I understand if he goes to Oklahoma and he plays the way he's capable of, I think, highly of Jordan Love. I do, too. Uh, then he could he could jack up that, uh, that, uh, that pick for next season. That's what it's about for him at this point is, is getting his draft stock up. And I think he can – I think he's a viable NFL quarterback. I do. I know he's got some holes. He's got some things he's got to fix. He's got some refinement to make, but he's got he's got he's got that live arm, and he's got all the measurables, mm-hmm. and he can he can make all the throws. Yeah, we didn't see that all the time. What do you think about this from a Utah State uh, standpoint? And by 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 the way, this is just a, a report that this could happen. Nothing is nothing is set in stone. But what do you think about this from a Utah State standpoint? Uh, it would be. If I were heavily invested in Utah State, it would be painful to see this happen. Uh, if I'm Utah State, I'd rather have him enter the NFL draft than transfer to some other school because then it makes it look like your program is somehow insufficient. 
Um, what do you think if you're Gary Anderson right now and you're evaluating your offensive staff? Uh, well, there's some questions there as well because it's, it's hard to say. Because Yost last year was just – he was fantastic working with Jordan Love. This year, he didn't have as much to work with. No, he did not. But at the same time, if you're an offensive and coordinator, by, by that I mean I, I mean uh, Sanford. I don't mean Yost. No, no, no. Sanford. Uh, yeah. He had a new O line, which mm-hmm. and a young O line, right. which had certainly had its issues. They got run over by Air Force this year. That offensive line. So, you know, they were far from perfect. Uh, C.O.C. Mariner turned out to be pretty good. Caleb Rep did as well, but they were a little short on weapons. I got yeah, it. Yeah. But if you're a if you're an offensive coordinator and you're handed an NFL quarterback, uh, you got you can't crater that quarterback, right? I mean, that we can make all the excuses in the world, but that that can't happen. Well, anytime you talk about making changes on your offensive or defensive staff, you've got to think, okay, am I replacing and by by firing someone that I can replace with a better coach? That's always the question. Mm-hmm. So, but if I'm Jordan Love, I, I go to the NFL if I can. However, if Oklahoma says, "Hey, come on in here, you're our number one guy," that would be awfully hard to turn down. Just go compete for a national championship and play your way into a top five pick? Because, I mean, that's the the track record at Oklahoma, right? And he's good enough to do it. You would think so. Yep. I mean, Jalen Hurts, was he going to be drafted at Alabama? Uh, Maybe. No, is the answer to that. (laughs) He's probably going to be a first-round pick. And then Baker Mayfield. I mean, he was far from the number one pick in the draft before Lincoln Riley got a hold of him. That is true. That is true. And same thing with Kyler Murray. Yep. Yeah. So that would be pretty hard to pass up. It would. If, if, I mean, you'd have to have the assurance. I mean, you're going to come in and start. Because that would be a death sentence. Transfer, pass up the NFL, transfer to Oklahoma, and then ride the pine. I mean, that would not be terrific. But Well, I don't know what uh, Oklahoma's quarterback situation is. I don't know either. But... You're right. If you're getting an assurance that you're going to be the number one candidate, uh, I think uh, I answer that that call. But I tell you what, if he gets the evaluation that's still a top two rounder, maybe three, you know, that'd be really hard to pass up. It would. Just got to make sure that 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 you go high enough that that NFL franchise is invested in your success. That's that's so key. That's why you hear, uh, you know, what the like sixth rounders talk about it. Maybe it would have been better if you go undrafted because then you can at least pick your destination because if a team takes you in the sixth round you know you better outplay some veterans or you're not going to be there anymore think about the upward arc jordan love has uh has been on he's not recruited by anybody utah state's his only d1 offer he comes to utah state he beefs up a little bit shows what he can do and now you got the nfl wanting you and there is a lot of interest in him. There's also some questions. I get that. But coming out of Bakersfield, there's no way that he would be getting offers from Oklahoma. And to all the college football athletes that uh, that listen to this show, and we know there are many, many of you, this is why you get your degree. This is why you go to summer school when you have to hang around the program anyway. It's because you give yourself flexibility to put yourself in the best position possible. And uh, I know that college sports is undergoing this player empowerment movement, but this is this is why you work your butt off and get your degree. Because yeah. now Jordan, if he doesn't get the satisfactory grade from the NFL that he wants, he can pick the best position for him and move forward. 
as opposed to being locked in, and I don't know this for a fact, but let's say he's not wild about Mike Sanford, then you can have your opportunity to go back and play for Coach Yost and put yourself in the best position to further your career. I mean, this is Do you have any problem with that at all? No, you know. Because some fans would. I don't have I do have problems. I don't think the NCAA should just go to the Wild West and and let's just everybody transfer. Everybody uh, get a free transfer. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea. I, I really do. I think. But do you think it's but, being but, disloyal? But, do you think it is somehow stabbing the the school that gave you an opportunity in the back? No, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm one of the very few people out there that seem to value an education and a college degree around here. And after all, you're the <laughs> you're one of the few. The the point of playing college football is to get a darn degree. And if you get that degree, 100%, 100%, you deserve a benefit of some flexibility because you did what you were supposed to do, and that's go get yourself a college education. And if they're making you stick around for summer, like, you know, because we all know what, uh, you know, voluntary workout really means, right? <laughs> if they're making you stick around during the summer, pound out some classes, Give yourself the opportunity to have a little flexibility your senior year. I've got zero issue with that. None. You? Uh, no, I don't. And I, I, But I'm not a fan, so it doesn't hurt my feelings. Uh, I can see why fans are hurt. Well, because we know fans. You're not a fan, so you don't get these emotional attachments to players and things that don't actually exist, but yet you're emotionally attached to it. So, of course, your feelings aren't hurt. But the, your, your, your Aggie fan that has Jordan Love's fat head on his wall and is living and breathing <laughs> Aggie football, you know, and has established a personal connection with this player, even though they've never met before, of course they're going to be rejected or disappointed or whatever right, you right, want to use. Yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not going to be judgy or, or surprised well, by that. I don't know if you get the fat head or if you're wearing his jersey – then maybe you would care enough about him to want what's best for him at this point. Because he's already given you a lot. Okay. The truth is you're wearing Utah State's jersey. Jordan doesn't have a jersey you can buy. Hmm. See what I did there? I do see what you did. Pay those amateurs? Uh, No, let's not get crazy. That's what uh, Jake thinks. I hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. We need to get rid of that. Um, want to remind you the savings are on at Ken Garf West Valley Ram. Get a new Ram truck uh, for less with employee pricing plus when you stop by during bl- the Black Friday sales event. Visit us today. We'll have uh, more coming up next. There's been uh, more, well, I guess, coaching news on the local front. We'll tell you what that is straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. I just sat there watching Utah going, you haven't done this all year. Some of the mental errors, bizarre. They didn't hurt themselves a lot this year, but boy did they decide a bad time to put together what was an awful performance. Obviously, Oregon's good, but I thought the Utes just evaluating their performance on its own, it was shocking because it was so uncharacteristic from what we watched for 11 or 12 games. The thought that entered my mind, this moment from one of my favorite movies. You choked. It was yours for the taking and you choked. That's what happened to the Utes on Friday. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that they weren't up to the task. It wasn't that they were overrated. They flat plain choked. It wasn't even close. They choked. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. 
I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Madawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barrancola, and Padilla. I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Big Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night? You're currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea. Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit soundsleepmedical.com. Chris Mannix stopped at the 4 o'clock hour, but right now, real quick here, Gordon. And we can dig into this a little bit more later on in the show, but a release coming out of the University of Utah. I'll read right from it. Utah head football coach Kyle Whittingham announced today that defensive coordinator and safeties coach Morgan Scally has agreed to terms on an amendment to his contract that will secure his position long-term with the Utah football program. And then there's a quote from Wet saying, I'm excited. And then there's a quote from Morgan saying, yippee. And uh, that's pretty much the release. There's a smiley face emoji. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Remember when Morgan was just hanging out with us? When he was on the zone. I do. I, I produced his show. Yeah. he uh, He's a good guy. He really is. He's a smart man. And uh, that's good news for Utah because I'm sure he could go other places if he wanted to. I think this is a this is definitely a coach in waiting type of thing. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's what and, it looks like, and uh, I have no problem with it. I think I think Morgan would. Uh, we don't know because he hasn't been a head coach, but all indicators are that he. He will be very effective in that role when he ascends to it. Now, Austin brought this up during the break, and he's 100% right. The the coach-in-waiting tag hasn't necessarily been the most effective tool, per se, uh, out there in college sports. But they're already, and you've heard him, Gordon, there are already rumors about Kyle Whittingham retiring. And this way you can take this out into the recruiting field and say, you know, if you come to Utah, you're not going to you know, have some coach that you're unfamiliar with. Well, I— I really thought that Kyle Whittingham might seriously consider retiring had he won the Rose Bowl. But I don't know about the Alamo Bowl, and I don't know how this is sitting with him the way it all came down. Uh, but but I, I do believe that he would have seriously considered it had he gone out on a high note. Uh, Kyle Whittingham doesn't need this stuff anymore. I mean, he's got he's financially sound. He's got great investments. His, you know, his father passed away at sixty-four years old. I mean, that's got to play on his mind a little bit, doesn't it? I think it does. I'll I'll say this, and who am I to be giving Kyle Whittingham advice? But if how he goes out is really really matters to him, and the Alamo Bowl isn't isn't good enough, then he needs to be willing to stay for the next four years. Because it's going to take time for Utah to ramp back up again. And I'm not saying that they're going into the garbage by any means, but there might be a Vegas Bowl or a Sun Bowl in the, yeah. ne- in the future for the next couple of years as he builds things back, back up. You can't lose a senior crop like this and just be fine. Like in 04, Gordon, we saw in 05, after they lost all that NFL talent, Things took a step back. Now, not that far back. They were okay. They were fine. They were a, a decent team. But you can't replace everybody overnight. So if if what we're talking about is is Witt still has something out there that he wants to get at Utah, then he needs to be willing to invest the years into making it happen. Because next year, it's not going to. And the year after that, 
probably not going to. You're probably building another three, four-year cycle. That's how it works with Utah, and that's how it works with everybody not named Alabama. I could see him going another three, not another four. Well, then Uh, I would— I don't don't think he'll—but I'm just guessing here. But I've had conversations with folks, and I I could see him—I could see this going any which way at this point, but not really longer than three years. All right. Well, that's something he's got to consider because if if he wants to go out as the Sun Bowl champion, then stick around for a couple of years. But it's it's going to take some time to build it back up again. I have no doubt that he could, but you're you're right. You know, his father passed at sixty four. Coach Witta said he's not going to be uh, Bobby Bowden and coach into his seventies, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't have another four years in him, I I'm putting the bar at four. Put it at three. I mean, I listen to arguments, but the truth is. You got to be willing to stay more than two because it's going to take a minute to get yourself back to. If again, I put it this way: if the Alamo Bowl isn't good enough for you to go out on top, then you better be willing to spend some time to build it back up again because that's what it's going to take. Well, Kyle's very on top of things. He's uh, he's always been sort of a big L kind of leader, but I think recently he has been delegating a little more, and uh, I don't know if that's an indication of. Leaning which way, winning which way, but uh, he uh, he's he's financially secure. He doesn't have to do this unless he's just having the time of his life doing it. All right, joining us now in studio, our friend Mike from Any Hour Services, and we're talking tips with the furnace tonight. Mike, yes, sir, help us out. Well, uh, a lot of people have whole home humidifiers that are built in with their system uh it's it helps with the it's good for the furniture the wood floors it helps with static electricity dry skin allergies plus it can help to lower your heating bill because uh, make the home more comfortable because humid air is going to retain heat a lot better than dry air so if you are one of those people that have a whole home humidifier this is the time of year to turn it on so go downstairs look for it's a turn dial type of humidistat set it at around 40 45 uh, percent humidity and and then adjust it to see where you're comfortable with there are a couple of things you want to check on the humidifier take the cover off and check the pad it's got a, a pad kind of like a, a swamp cooler where the water has to flow down it and the biggest issue that we see is sometimes you'll get hard water build up on those and you can't get the airflow and you can't get the water saturation into the pad so if it's crusted over replace it and then there's a drain line coming off of the bottom pan you want to take that off and just blow in it to make sure that you're getting air because sometimes you can get uh, gunk stuff clogging it up and if it clogs it can fill that pan and that pan can overflow in the basement so check those things out mike i appreciate you using that highly technical technical terminology what is which one what is gunk well you've got did you say gunky stuff i probably did but i mean how would you describe it what how would you describe the viscosity of the stuff that like forms inside this tube that's like slimy and gross and it's what technical term would you use? Thick. Okay. Uh, very technical. Uh, I mean, well, that's what those of us in the industry. That's what we call it. Yeah. Technical. How about how about this, Mike? Sludge. Sludge. That's <laughs> yeah. a good one. How about that? Sludge. Thick, gunky sludge. There you go. Stuff. Yeah. All right, we're we're talking furnace tune-ups today. We, we've got a good deal. We're going to get to it. But if I've got a an old furnace, yeah. should that impact my decision? Um, it really shouldn't because the age shouldn't matter because they say you should have the thing serviced every year. But the fact of the matter is, is we forget, we get busy, and a lot of us don't have it done every year. 
And so the older your system is, the more important it is to really be diligent with uh, having the maintenance done regularly because the older it is, it just the more wear and tear all of those internal components have had and the more chance there is of it going out on you. Well, and you, you exactly that. You don't want to end up in the cold. Correct. I can re- replace something before it explodes. Uh, I'm going to do just that. You just scared everybody to death. Well, as Mike often says, we are... You know, pumping. how do I say it? Yeah, well, how do you say it? I'm trying to <laughs> My remember. My favorite way to describe it. It's amazing. I, I we're piping gas into a metal cabinet in the basement and lighting it on fire. Right, <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, so that's something you want to take care of. You get it checked out once yeah. here. That doesn't seem like too big of a. Uh, a just ask. ignore what's going on in the basement. Uh, I don't really pay much attention. And with it, with this deal, it it really is a no brainer. It is. You know, uh, normally we charge ninety nine dollars to come out and perform this annual service that manufacturers recommend you do. We've got a twenty nine point inspection. We go through the system top to bottom. We check all the vital components. We make sure that it's burning the fuel safely and that it's going to keep you comfortable uh, through the winter. You're not going to have to pay ninety nine bucks. To Tonight, if you call and get on the schedule, you're going to lock in a $70 savings and be able to get it done for 29 bucks. Schedule it for after the holidays, after the New Year's, whenever you is convenient for you. We'll call and remind you of the appointment. But the key is you've got to call tonight if you want to lock in that $70 savings and get it done for 29 bucks. All right, call any of our services right now. Save 70 bucks on that 29-point furnace tune-up, $99 value, only $29. But you've got to get on the schedule before 7 o'clock tonight. So call 801-443-7400. That's 801-443-7400. Any hour services. Mike, thank you, sir. You're welcome. Get the gunk out. <laughs> sludge is better. I like Thickness. sludge. Oh, goodness. All right, Chris Maddox is next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.